Welcome to the Redeeming the Dirt podcast. This is Noah Sanders, and I am going to be sharing with you today a little bit about farming in light of sin and the curse and kind of the context that we live in in the story that God's writing after Christ has gone back and before he's come back and uh, how that impacts the way that we view our agriculture. So today I'm um, working inside while it's raining, watching my three little boys while my wife is in town. So there may be some background noise, but hopefully we can have a good little conversation here. Audio is so nice. I know uh, for me as a farmer, I love listening to audio and it's a blessing to be able to take advantage of that um, opportunity to be able to, I know many of you probably listen to these podcasts while you're out working like I do with the audio that I listen to. And again, I'm just grateful that whatever you're doing right now, whether you're working outside in the garden or you're driving in the car, that uh, we can have this opportunity to be able to um, kind of share this time and you can consider some of the things I'm sharing with you and hopefully maybe you can use some of the ways I have you can that you can reach out to me whether on uh, my website or on social media to be able to share some thoughts you may have. So a new relatively new Christian farmer was asking me recently about how do we farm in light of the reality of sin and the effects of sin on creation? Is that something we should, um, you know, try to push back against? Or is that something that we just need to live with and settle with, you know, the fact that things aren't always going to go right? And so just wanted to talk a little bit about what does the Bible say about the, uh, the, the curse, the result of sin and man's rebellion, and what are, how might that affect our farms and what can we do as a result? You know, the, the, the context of the curse is that when God created everything in the beginning, that he made it and it was all good. And when he put man in the first garden, it was a great place. And as far as we know, it was, uh, you know, a place without, what we're told is a place without, um, you know, any of the, the death and um, disease and stuff that we see today. How all the, you know, the life cycles of that we see in creation is a natural part of, you know, composting and things decaying and stuff, how all that worked in a pre-sin um, Eden, we don't know for sure. But God obviously had um, ways set up that that all worked without uh, the the death that came as a result of sin and that wasn't around before then. At least that's what I believe. But we see in Genesis 3, 17, I'm just going to read here what God said after Adam sinned when he basically chose to um, do things his way instead of God's way. And when he rebelled against the author of all good, the one who had made him and made all creation, then um, the opposite of good, which is bad, is what resulted. And God, when he was talking to Adam, 
and telling him what the consequences would be, he said, and this is Genesis three seventeen. he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you'll eat of it all the days of your life, and it will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, From since from it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. And I thought that was one thing that's interesting is that in verse 23, it says, the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. So even though the ground was cursed, it was still man's job to work the ground, to steward it, to manage it in a way that um, produced things. And again, food for him in particular. But it was going to be harder. There was going to be something, some things different because of sin. If we go over into... Um, Genesis 8, um, there's an interesting thing uh, there after the flood. We see that, um, well, let's go back before that. Genesis chapter 5, we see again mentioned the curse of the ground actually in relation to when Noah was born. His father Lamech named him Noah. Uh, I think it means comforter. Um, I should know it's my name. But he, Lamech said, He will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. So that was obviously something on Lamech's mind when he named his son. It was a, it was a big deal, a big enough deal to name his son in light of that. So an, an interesting thing that I was going to point out in Genesis chapter 8 is after when uh, Noah and his family came out of the ark, God smelled the burnt sacrifice, the burnt offering that Noah offered and said, Never again will I curse the ground because of man. This is Genesis 8, 21. He said, Even though every inclination of his heart is evil from childhood, never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. So it's, it's interesting that he said that he would never curse the ground again because of man. And that may indicate that there was um, a degree of, of something that was maybe different that made it exceptionally harder before the flood um, for tending the land. Maybe maybe that's just uh, referring to the the flood itself and that being a curse on the ground to, to flood the whole earth, world. And again, he talks about after that a promise of the seasons always enduring, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never, never, see, will never cease. But, uh, you know, we may think, well, maybe the ground, you know, isn't cursed in the same way, um, perhaps today as it was the, right after um, Eden. But obviously, we still live in a world that um, is very much affected by sin. And when we go into Romans 8, it talks about creation being um, afflicted, uh, groaning as a result of sin. Read in uh, Romans 8, 19. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed, for the creation was subjected to frustration 
not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So there is a sense in which creation is waiting for that restoration, the restoration that's promised when in the, in the age to come, when Christ comes and restores all things. So for us, practically as farmers, we want to go out and we want to take care of the land and steward it in a way that produces abundant food. But most of us, when we actually get out there and start doing it, we quickly come face to face with the realities of death, with disease, um, with decay. So with, with the death, we, we, we maybe get chicks or we plant a fruit tree and we come out and all our dreams of what we were going to get out of that um, comes to nothing once it dies. You know, the fruit tree dies or the baby chicks get too cold and they, um, they pile up and they smother in the brooder. Or maybe disease. We get a disease in our crops um, or in our animals and they die or everything's going fine. Um, and then after several years, the beautiful chicken coop that we built or the barn that we built or whatever it may be starts to decay and we have to rebuild it or it starts because it starts falling apart. We may see degeneracy in as we breed plants and animals in their ability to resist disease or in their production capacity. We see uh, disorder as our farms go from, you know, if we set them up nice and uh, orderly with our tools in the right places and different plants in the right places and weeds not in the, not in the wrong places, um, if we don't continually apply effort, then it becomes, uh, it goes from a state of order to disorder. And then there's suffering as well. There's times there's suffering for our animals at times. There's suffering that we have to endure as we go out and we uh, have to work in the cold or in different, different types of weather or as we face injuries or, you know, any of the other ways that we can suffer, um, just discouragement even. Uh, these are all things we face, the death, disease, decay, degeneracy, disorder, suffering. The wonderful thing, though, for us as Christians is that we have hope. We have hope that Christ came and he himself was the healer of diseases. He brought hope to the hopeless. And on our farms, we want our farms to be beacons of light, of hope, to show that there is a solution, that there is um, hope, again, for the effects of the curse, the things that we've, we face. And it's not that we're going to create Eden here again in our lifetime, but that we are allowing Christ to work in our hearts to address, first of all, the sin that's in our own hearts that's producing many of the things that we, that we experience um, in terms of just, just problems related to our relationship with ourselves, or our relationship with others, our relationship with God's creation. All those things are affected by our relationship with God. And once God restores that through Christ, then he begins to heal those different relationships. And we begin to kind of push back the effects of, um, of sin, not completely uh, eliminating it, but beginning to to see restoration as, as Christ begins to address these different things. And it's even on our farms practically, you know, as we start in our own heart, 
to allow Christ to address that, then it comes, then that will begin to, um, to fix some of the problems that we might be facing, uh, some of the effects of sin that just have to do with our own disobedience or not being in line with God's um, ways, whether it's in our approach to managing our farms or it's in our relationships um, or it's in just our goals and perspectives. And then as we begin to see our role as good, as stewards and we begin to apply a heart of care to what we're, what we're um, tending, that we begin to recognize the wisdom of God in the way that he created things. And we, we try to not do things our own way, but try to get in line with the way God set up things to work. As we begin to bring order to things, as we begin to evaluate what God's given us and how well we're stewarding it and how we can do it better, that, uh, that we can begin to see um, a, a progress in some of these areas. As we are better at caring for our crops and animals, we might see less disease. As we uh, take care, better care of our tools and equipment, then we might see less decay. As we um, improve, uh, as, as we take advantage of the diversity of genetics and, and, uh, and have appreciate some of the, the genetic diversity in older varieties or creating more diverse new ones, then we can see less degeneracy. And that, as is typical in a lot of the hybrid or um, purebred strains. And then, uh, you know, we can see an alleviation of suffering as, as we uh, begin to not only care for the things that we have, but see um, less wasted resources and there's more to be able to share with people. And, uh, and again, it's, it's really the blessing of God to allow us to experience some of these things when we aren't doing things his way. And when we start doing things his way, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be any suffering because God uses that to continue to teach us. It's not, uh, he, we need to be reminded that one day we'll receive our reward and, really, we need to be committed to faithfulness. That's, that's what our, our motivation should be right now in this age to recognize that this is the age of sowing. It's not the, the, in terms of when I say age, I mean the time in which we live before Christ's return, before he restores all things. This age is an age of sowing. It's not necessarily where we're going to reap all, where we're reaping all the rewards. Um, there is uh, some temporary rewards, you know, temporary um, effects that we'll see when we do a better job with our land. We'll see, uh, expect to see better results. But sometimes the the things that we're sowing to as farmers, whether it's to relationships or uh, to, you know, to long-term um, sustainability of the land, things that are just, just in even being willing to give up things for what God's called us to. We may not see worldly success right now, but it's because this is our life right now is one of sowing and we look forward to the season to come. And so rather than trying to manipulate results right now, we need to be committed to faithfulness. And it may be that God gives us an amazing farm that's a, that's a testimony to those around us, or it may be that he allows us to be an example of suffering or maybe we lose our farm like some of my friends have. But the beauty is we can trust God in his ability to take our faithfulness and produce the results that he wants to see long-term, the fruit and the harvest that he actually uh, wants 
to produce through our lives. One, I want to encourage you with, with the verse that says, Don't grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will receive a, har- a harvest if you don't give up. You know, we of all people should recognize as farmers that there's um, not always an immediate uh, result from the work that we have. And as we labor now as God's ambassadors, as his ministers of reconciliation in this fallen world, even as we tend his land that still deals with um, the, the effects of sin through death, disease, decay, and all these things that, uh, that we're, again, sowing for an eternal harvest. And as we are working in this, that we're not becoming discouraged, that we're not growing weary and doing good, that we acknowledge that when we talk to, you know, unbelievers and um, we can agree on the fact that there's problems, um, we can agree actually with people who are against killing and eating animals, we can agree with them that that's not the way that it originally was supposed to be. And we can um, encourage them that it's not the way that it's going to be in the future. And while I believe, you know, God's... um, allows us to kill animals for our um, sustenance in this particular period of time. I'm, I, think, I don't think any of us who participate in that just say it's a glorious, wonderful, beautiful thing. We would love to be able to have farms where we didn't have to experience that. And it reminds us that we have something better to look forward to. And so when, you know, as you go out and we work on our farms, even as I go back out some today and as we experience some of these things and that we can be encouraged that we have a role to play as Christ works through us to, um, to begin to push back, uh, as God works through us, the effects of sin and that we can be a light in our community with our farms and gardens, uh, not in a trying to pretend like we're going back to Eden, but just being, uh, again, ministers of reconciliation, um, ambassadors, showing how Christ's principles begin to um, bring healing and hope to broken areas of our life, broken areas even of our agriculture. And if we can, when we trace it back to Christ, we have that opportunity to be able to point to Him as the answer. And even when everything seems to be going bad, we can not grow weary in doing well. Even when it doesn't seem like anything's working, we can recognize that our job is to be faithful and then we'll get a well done, good and faithful servant at the end of our days, whether we're the one that God um, chooses to um, use us in a way that the world looks at and is impressed or whether we're the ones who are um, looked at by the world and, and we, they think we're a total failure. Uh, our, our job is to be faithful about the things we clearly know God wants us to be doing, loving him, walking in, for, in fellowship and relationship with him, listening to him, uh, stewarding his creation, taking what he's given us right now, not, not in the future, but right now in our hands, putting it to work, uh, investing in the relationships that we have around us, pouring out ourselves for the last, the least, and the lost, and, uh, and trusting God um, in every circumstance, even when things don't make sense, 
um, to, that he's working out his perfect plan and that that's exactly where we want to be is right where he's working and right where we're um, playing the role that he's given us to play. So when we, when we face these sufferings, these trials, these reminders of uh, the effects of sin, we should turn our eyes on Christ, turn our eyes on um, to be reminded that, that even though um, God's doing a work now, we have something even better to look forward to, and our reward is yet to come. And I look forward to, uh, for all of you who are, um, who know Christ, who are followers of him, look forward to spending eternity with you and with Christ on the new earth, farming without the effects of sin, stewarding the land. We see at the in Revelation that there's uh, a river, there's trees growing on the edges of the river. And I believe there'll be agriculture as, uh, as it was originally intended to be, and we'll be able to do it in perfect relationship. I look forward to, to be on a garden and, and share tips and ideas with y'all, um, for eternity as we learn from Christ. And for those of you who don't have that hope that you know Christ and that you uh, have been, are trusting in him to forgive you for your sins and that you have that hope that God has accepted you because what of Christ, because of what Christ has done, then I just want to encourage you. Feel free to, to reach out to me if you have any questions, but all you have to do is just go to God and just surrender to him. And just tell them that you want to stop trying to do it your way. You want to stop trying to um, fix all your own problems and that you are broken, that you've rebelled against him, that you want his forgiveness and that you want him to uh, to give you new life in Christ so that you can be a born again farmer, so that you can begin redeeming the dirt and that Christ can begin using you to to shine that light and that hope um, to the dark world of uh of what Christ can do in our hearts and how that can overflow into the work that we do. So love all of you so much. Uh, I'm so grateful to be part of the body of Christ, part of this community of Christians that are called to the land. And I pray that God would continue to give us more wisdom as we learn how to communicate the gospel, communicate our our daily walk in, in learning how to repent and how to put more faith in Christ in every area, area of life that we have. And, uh, and I pray that you just, God would just encourage you and equip you. And I just encourage you, be humble, stay faithful, and keep redeeming the dirt. Sign off now. This is Noah Sanders. I'll talk to you next time.